As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Thanks for joining me. Pumped to have you. I feel like, obviously, I know you through comedy, but I don't know too much about you on a personal level. So I'm excited to hear about it. It's like, I know you're funny and that you're good mm-hmm. at chess. And like, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, those it your is two weird. defining characteristics. I was, fe- I would, I would, yeah, probably actually. <laughs> um, but I, I was feeling a weird kind of anxiety before doing this because I, Normally, I, if it's just like an improv comedy type of uh, podcast thing, I'm like, it's fine. There's nothing to think about beforehand, really. But then this, I was going like, well, I have a, I, one of my most chronic problems with myself is I, I find myself uh, annoying to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I hate, uh, like I when I listen back to something, I go like, God, you just go on and on. Shut really? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Like what? I, I just, I just, it's hard to explain. I'm like. You, you know the feeling? I feel like it's because of like in my 30s or something, but where it's like I feel like sitting in my head, I'm like tired of hearing words coming out of my mouth. Like I, it's like there's some part of me that is sitting in this space listening to it just going like, Jesus, shut up. But it's like what would the alternative be? Would be like you being like, oh, man, I love everything I'm saying. I love listening to myself, which also is like arguably yeah. worse. Yeah, which is a bad <laughs> yeah character to have. But yeah, I, I would I guess I would I would prefer indifference. Like, sure. it, like, I would rather just go, like, I'm not even thinking about it. But mm-hmm. instead, it's like every word that comes out, I go like, do you, why do you sound like this? Why do you talk like this? Do you feel like you uh, think like that about, like, other people when, like, you hear them on things? Like, are you no. like... No, I, yeah, I'm yeah. like, with, with other people, I go like, I, oh, I could listen to you talk forever. I don't, yeah. I, yeah, no, it's... But I know, I don't, I, I, someone says this about... Uh, uh, I don't know. There's some smart quote about this. That's uh, ba- basically about like that. You know, so many people that you're talking to are just thinking something about themselves, basically, like 1, if you're self-conscious or whatever. And so it is interesting to go like we're all doing that. Basically, we're sitting there. Oh, going, yeah. Like, oh, God. I'm annoying. It's like, uh, or like, I'm great or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's yeah. like a like superficial shit. Like, I hope I look good or I hope I sound smart enough or like, yeah. And no one's the, and it's kind of sad, but it's also like the ultimate reality is like, nobody's thinking about you. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which can be kind of freeing and, and kind of relaxing to go. Yeah. No one is thinking about it. They don't care. Yeah. I heard the quote, um, I don't remember where I read this, but it was nothing matters. So anything can. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's right. It's depressing, but also equally freeing. Cause it's like nothing you do. No one's going to remember it ever. You're not going to be yeah. remembered. Sorry to say. Like, yeah. Well, actually I, I've said this before. But I I don't understand the the like draw of the idea of being remembered. It, it's right. I find it to be like the most one of the most odd things that people go like, and this is for my legacy. I'm like, they last for like maximum a hundred years. Oh like, yeah. And Max. what is the point of it? What is the point of it? It doesn't matter. It has to be ego based, right? It's like yeah, I, I made guess. a difference in the world. Like 
Yeah, I always like, think it's like that they think that, that they'll be like dug up and reanimated. By, <laughs> yeah, one, that's what it always feels percent. like. They're that big of a gift to humanity yeah. when like <laughs> when they figure out how to do that. They're like, you know who should do this? We should do this to like, I don't know, fucking Jeremy or whatever. <laughs> whoever does, whoever uh, is that type of person. Uh, cool. So mm-hmm. first question is, what is um, a low point or a challenge in your life that you've experienced that you're most proud of overcoming and why? Well, you know, it's, I, I feel like I, I was thinking about, you know, uh, this kind of stuff the other day. And I feel like I don't ever really get over or overcome anything basically. (laughs) Like, I think I just like time passes and then I just accept like the fundamental truth of that, that thing occurred basically. And right. I just go like, you know, because like my canned answer would be like my dad dying and then mm-hmm. getting, you know, that's like almost 10 years ago. Um, But I, I kind of feel like the whole process of getting over anything, at least for me, just takes so long. And it's almost like by the time that you have gotten over whatever the thing is, or at least for me, that I almost feel like I'm such a different person that it's like the two things almost aren't related anymore. Where it's yeah. like the person who got over the thing is not the person who the thing happened to or something. No, and that makes so, sense. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I would say my dad, but then I go like, but I'm not like, I would, I'm not like over it or better. I'm like, I still like randomly cry about it all the time or I'll yeah. just like, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like getting over things, uh, at least for me, is kind of like not a real thing. Like, yeah. Like, it's kind of, it's just like kind of, it all, it's like uh, the things all just realign at different points and then you feel them again. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like in doing this podcast in this season, like I think I've, and I could be forgetting something, but I feel like death is not something that is talked about a lot on this podcast. I remember remember one distinctly one per like a Jaquise, one person specifically talking about it. And it was like, I was like, yeah, I get that. Uh Um, But other than that, people don't talk about it. And like, I'm curious if it's because, it can't be because people haven't experienced it, but yeah, it's not I mean, something they feel you know, comfortable the, talking about. There's like different types of profundity to the experience. I think like hopefully most people are lucky enough to not experience like a really big one. Like hopefully you don't lose your parent when you're 20s, you know, like whatever, or in a teens or whatever, or a child. Like, and so I, I, I mean, I wonder what the statistics are on that, but uh, yeah, I think that it's. I, I I would assume that a lot of people don't experience like the big ones at earlier points in their life. That's why they also like underscores how tragic they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also feel like there's all this like other stuff, this like baggage related to death where it's like, because death almost like makes you have to talk about your religious identity as well. Sure. You know, and I feel like people are like, well, I don't want to do that. And then like because you have to talk about like your beliefs and then like your emotions and then like logic. And it's like it's a lot of things all packed into one thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I, I feel like I feel like at least people I know in comedy, I feel like we're, we're all kind of death obsessed, which which I'm, I'm really obsessed. introduce me yeah. to those people because I'd like to talk to more people <laughs> <laughs> about death. I feel like most people that I uh, interact with in comedy like would love to avoid that and like would love to oh, keep things. Oh, interesting. Yeah, would love to get keep it surface and like would make like a joke about it and then like pivot the conversation. Oh yeah, maybe I because I I sometimes have a, a a tendency to like not like allow certain types of pivots happen in a conversation. Yeah, you like don't let up. Like, You're like, no, this is the thing we're talking on about. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so maybe I've made that happen more with people or something. But yeah, I would like to be more like that. Um, yeah. 
Uh, so can we talk a little bit about your dad, or oh, yeah, is that sure, not yeah, something yeah. you're comfortable talking? No, about? I'm super comfortable with it. Okay, when did when did that so happen? He, he and... died in 2013. He had a car accident, or he had a heart attack and a car accident come together. You know, at a bad time, basically. Wait, what? He had a heart attack while driving and then Holy crashed shit. the car. Yeah, it was, it was very sudden and very surprising. Um, and I was 23. Uh, and uh, yeah, just super shocking. And like, you know, it's weird too. One death-related thing that I always find kind of insane is um. The way that, like, when someone dies, people consciously and unconsciously, like, rewrite them as, you know, sort of, like, infallible, basically. Or, yeah. or like, they're canonized as saints in certain ways. And, like, I love my dad, but, you know, we had, you know, he was, you know, uh, he, he, he just very different from me, basically. And, like, uh, you know, like, one of his most common things that he would say to me very loudly, he was always yelling, uh, was uh, God damn it! Can't you just be normal? <laughs> was oh, like a yeah. big, big thing he would say a lot. Where I was sure going, that's not helping. <laughs> you saying yeah. it like that, that's not gonna help it happen. Yeah, you you have one sibling, multiple siblings. I have two older brothers. Okay, so you're the youngest. Um, yeah. and did you grow up with like everybody living in the same household, or did? Yes. Yeah, we all lived in the same house on the south side of Chicago. Okay, and mm-hmm. but like my parents were always like such unbelievable opposites and like they always had friction and stuff that it was always like it it was kind of insane to me whenever i would then meet someone else's parents who like got along super well yeah oh that's like that's an option that's wild okay yeah were they still together yeah but in this like you know i always think of it as like an irish catholic way where it was like they were they were together in that they lived in the same house and were my parents uh who like yelled at yelled at us uh, in equal part basically yeah. yeah yeah no i i very much relate to that in in my parents so then you were uh, raised catholic yes yeah but i was like pretty outspoken as an atheist from when i was like a little kid uh which my mom like kind of actually received in strides but she would also always refer to me as a little heathen and stuff like that and like say i have to go to church and stuff and i was an altar server as well while being an atheist uh no priest ever touched me um we love that yeah yeah no that's always the it's good it's good but you know it is also when i look back to like this is such a tangent but like the local priests were abruptly sent away a lot i i when i look back i go like that guy was there one sunday and then gone forever i wonder if he did something yeah that the bad priest i mean probably yeah you have to assume why would he be gone with no ceremony (laughs) suddenly Yeah, yeah there's no other explanation for that uh okay so then you grew up atheist. I grew up kind of the same way. Um, like, I feel like I remember my mom being like, well, I'm going to say a prayer for you. I know that you don't, you know, oh, you don't yeah, believe yeah, yeah. in that, oh, but I'm going to do it such, anyway. Such or she's like, stuff. good vibes if that's better for you. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay, it's fine. Uh, okay, so then when when your dad was was killed, what? how did that um, affect like your atheism or did it not at all? Not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, I always feel like the thing with, like, when you're, like, young, like a young little militant atheist or whatever who wants to go, like, you can't believe in Catholicism or whatever your the energy is. And I definitely had that, like, you know, I, I want to whatever, like, pick on someone for believing in something when I'm, like, 12 or something. Uh, but for me, it's it's it ultimately becomes, like, well, I don't want to believe 
this or whatever or, or like believe that it's just like complete chaos and that there's like not that like it, it's that we live in in like a truly random system of things that move and react and and that's just what reality is uh like i would definitely like to have the more like it must be nice to be religious and stuff it sounds kind of uh like a nice comforting kind of experience um but uh Wait, I lost my train of thought on this. Wait, what did you just ask? Uh, we were talking about like, did it change your? View oh right. Oh yeah, with my dad. And yeah, no. So, but like, I I wished it did, and and I I will say I I kind of understood more, um, how like, you know, like certain like barrages of grief and tragedy can make people religious. You know, like I you know you know I I'm always jealous when people have a thing where they're like. And, and then whenever the wind blows, I know that's my dad encouraging me or whatever. I go like, that must be amazing. Oh, my God. Like, I, you know, like I would have these little things where I would kind of have that sort of magical thinking of like, oh, wow, it's like a sign from dad. But then I'm like, no, it's fucking not. It's just like, it, yeah. Uh, so, no, it did not affect it at all. But I was sad. Well, yeah. Where did uh, where did your atheism like stem from? Because it sounds like you were in a household um, of of people who are religious. Did yeah. someone like introduce that concept to you, or you found it on your own? You seem no, like yeah. a pretty much like like independent, yeah. like free thinking. All if I have a, if I'm questioning this thing, I'm gonna go find an answer yeah. to it or whatever. But yeah, I'm it was pretty independent. Like, yeah. and, it, and it was sort of too like. Um, you know, like so much of at least my like upbringing of like the, my experience in the American education system as being like going to a Catholic school and stuff like it's so there's so much like cognitive dissonance that you're like kind of trying to you like suddenly wake up from in these like little spurts. And I just feel like there were so many things like in my experience going to Catholic school where like all the there are a few nuns who work there or like just like the religion teacher or whatever who are just so fucking mean where I just go like, there's something about like the meanness, but then they're talking about like God and like love for your fellow man and stuff. And I'm just like the like complete like conflict there in like the spoken virtue. And then what they're actually like, I think like from an early age, I was like, wait, why is, why am I so scared of the woman who is talking about this? And I'm like, Oh, cause she's really fucking mean and really scary. And I'm like, and I'm also aware that I'm in the, delicate position of being a child too and i'm going like so you're mean to a child like you're you're mean like that's scary and so i think there was a lot of that sort of stuff or like there i just like there's so many bullies where i grew up that were like not just like my fellow students but like kids dads like there's just so many really mean people. oh yeah well it was like this like tough like south side irish kind of culture where like every dad was like their thing would be like uh, very like so many dads were always telling me to do push-ups like in the like they would just walk up and say like it was a lot of that like masculine like he's like I'm a firefighter do some push-ups castle and I go like no <laughs> you oh know? wait would yeah you would you say yes or no no I no I would say no or I would just like literally Laugh. sprint away you know <laughs> yeah um, but I've never, I've never seen that happen to anyone. Oh yeah. No well, one's ever done Boy that to Scouts me. Scouts as well. So sure. it was like all that sort of shit, but it, it was, yeah, yeah. Like just from an early age, like there's so much, I mean, it's all the same sort of stuff that you can recognize as an adult with all this religion stuff, pedophilia in the Catholic church. You know, it's like all the stuff is right there where you go like, it's just madness. It, it, it's like it, believing it seems more insane than than not believing it. Or like I remember having to do that thing um, like confession when you're in like third grade or something. And I remember like making up the stuff I was confessing and also going like, 
what is the point of this? Like, I'm just like sitting and doing this. And so I think I like a, a, a long running theme in my life is what is the point of this with, with most things. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, the answer to that is there is no point yeah. to and, and it's like it's just like <laughs> setting it up for something else and it's like it's just like an unquestioned tra- tradition that's being carried on for no reason and it yeah it's all just it's madness but that's still like a pretty adult or like forward thinking mentality to have as like a third grader or whatever like I, well I was a super lonely kid I, I would I would say like I did not have any like my mom was my best friend and so was my dog and that right. those were my friends. Not and your so bro- like not your brothers. No. And no. Um <laughs> but um but so it was also just like a lot of time like when I think about my childhood it's basically all like alone in my bedroom. Mm. It was like my like entire childhood. Yeah. And I just like and I always liked that, you know. But it's like so then for that same reason then it's like you do get weirdly introspective and you know, you know all that shit from a pretty yeah age. was that through like high school as well like you felt like a very yeah, like a yeah. lone wolf introverted yeah like i it was kind of like two things like i i was like both introverted and extroverted i'm sure I'm, there's like some scale that describes these things but like i i started doing improv and sketch comedy and stuff like when i was 13 and like i would like go to second city and do that on the weekend and stuff and it was like the coolest but then that was almost like my secret life where then in like my actual life i was like quiet and like didn't uh like talk about doing that or or anything like that um and then i i was i was always kind of like i would like i would sort of join a friend group and then like i I would exit it (laughs) you know like i'm friends with those guys for like six months and then you know i i feel like you know you have that realization where you go like well if i don't call them and invite myself over they're not gonna invite me over and then at a certain point, you go like, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to. Why Why am I upholding all the work for this friendship? I, don't I really mean, care. I still feel like that happened. At least that happens Same. to me in adult in my adult life where, <laughs> like, I finally have the realization that I'm like, if I don't reach out to this person first, it's shocking. I'll never hear no, from them it's again. It's a completely shocking experience where you go like, I'm doing all of it. If yeah. I stop at all, it's over. That's it's pretty crazy. And then it's at like then you have to be like, okay, well, like some people like I want to give people the benefit of the doubt of like, okay, they're like uh, going through like mental health things or they're in crisis or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so like I don't want to be like, well, why didn't you message me back or like why didn't you do it first? Because I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe they're going through something that I don't know about. There's like a fine line between like letting it go and then being like, but how is this benefiting? How is this like friendship benefiting me? Yeah. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I hate I hate the feeling of like wanting or needing to be liked by someone. And oh, sometimes yeah. like when the, when there's like the withholding thing happening in a relationship, I I then I like want them to like me so much more that then at a certain point I go like, "Wait, fuck. No. I'm like thinking about, you know, and it's it's nice to just like winning like, people like winning them over or yes. whatever." Yeah. Yeah, where, where I, I'm going like, "Am I really like annoying and unfunny?" And I go like, "Not well, a little bit, but like not like really, <laughs> really, <laughs> you know." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh to go back to that like mean uh teacher religion yeah. thing. It's like I feel like it's always the the people I, and again, like always I'm using like I'm being pretty hyperbolic, but like the people who have it in their Instagram bios, like Corinthians 2112, like wifey to Dylan, yes. mommy to like Hunter and Graham or whatever the they're, thing they're is. They're also saying like all gays go to hell. Yeah. And you're going, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Why are and you like this? <laughs> but it's like that's the thing that's so insane is like how much. I mean, I feel like so much of this stuff was just like blown out uh, with like all the Trump 2016 and forward 
Uh, but just like the complete, like uh, the contradictive nature of all of that stuff is so insane where you go like, how do you hold those two completely contradictory beliefs and act like you're morally right? That's so insane. It's so insane. And also I feel like how my guess, a question for you is like, how do you like exist? Like, how do you do daily life when it's like everything feels so like everybody's like contradicting they have contradicting values or like for me it's like I guess recently and I don't know if it's because of like post quarantine and stuff and like time to reflect and be introspective or if it's just because like the world is getting shittier but like how do you how do you deal with that because clearly it's something like that's on your mind you think about it you're a very intelligent person sure like how do you operate through the like are you on an antidepressant I'm definitely on antidepressants. Yeah. I mean, I am like, I have, I have been such a depressive person for my entire life. Yeah. That like, it's almost like recently I go like, I'm like feeling like more people are depressed and I go like, I'm almost feeling like more connected to people because I go like, yeah, right. Isn't this shit just so grim? Um, but you know, I, I would also say I have just incredibly low expectations. Oh, <laughs> that's know? nice. Yeah. And then I also, you know, like the things that I get into, I get into them like so hard that it's like extremely distracting. Like I'm mm. so into chess that like, if I just like look off, I can just go and think about that and like do that. And then you get into it and then it's like, it's so much of my socializing has to do with chess where I'm like, I just meet up with people and we play and just, that's what we do. Um, and so, yeah, so distractions like that. I also, you know, I have a little daughter and she's like the greatest ever. And so like, it is that, you know, it's sort of like some time relativity sort of stuff with that, where it's like the way that time moves in my happy moments with my daughter, like carries through. And of course I have my wonderful wife. And it's like, it's like all those things work very well to sort of, uh, allay the general, uh, sense of dread and impending doom that laces every single moment of my life yeah see that's how how you were talking about like oh i wish i could be religious i wish i could feel like the wind or whatever and be like it's my dad or whatever i feel like that about people who are like oh i can just like get into the thing that i love and i'm distracted by everything else i'm like that must be nice like i would love a distraction and i think i feel that more now because i'm like eight seven seven or eight months sober so like Uh i no longer have any sort of reprieve at all and so i'm just like constantly in it and like even like activities like i I guess i don't have a chest but like eat like art or whatever i still am like making art because it's based on an emotion or a feeling or whatever Uh and i don't have like the ability to check out in any way yeah so i'm like how does one do that sobriety too is is pretty tricky in that uh it it's so like like drinking and stuff is so like linked to socializing in oh yeah at least in my experience here in LA and stuff it's like it feels like you can't meet up with people like it's like you're ruining their fun if you're one thousand percent yeah it's it's a bad feeling I mean I drink yeah. and I, I hang out and I do all this stuff but I'm saying like anytime I don't like even if I just go like I just don't want to drink tonight and then I go out with people and then they're like getting drinks and I say I don't want to it's it's like everyone thinks I'm mad at them or something <laughs> or yeah like, it's not about you're like anything. you're like a fucking buzzkill or whatever yeah, like, or it's like, all fine yeah and then like, you don't get you won't get invited to things because they're yeah. like oh we don't want to like either make that this person feel uncomfortable yes. or like they're gonna bring down our fun yeah 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 I mean I almost I mean I don't know if you've done this at all but you know like 
Do you ever get a drink that like looks like it's alcoholic? Like I, I'll do that. Like I'll get like a kombucha or something. And then, oh yeah, I have you to. Know, you have. I've to. I've oh yeah, I've discovered that like if I want to go out at all yeah. and be around somebody, I have to be have something in my hand mm -hmm. and be constantly like I have had to piss more in the past like seven months <laughs> than I ever have because I'm just like constantly drinking. Yeah. And it's like, that's the only way I can do it, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or I'm just like, <laughs> I just like can't. I, I mean, it definitely gets easier. But like, um, yeah, I, th I think one thing, too, with, um, you know, sort of like how you go about um, life when you feel the feelings that I feel that you and I relate on feeling is like, um, I don't know, like I, I sort of like I accept my depression and sort of negative perspective on things as sort of like a given value for every moment or something mm -hmm. where I go like, I'm not trying to make it go away. And so I'm just going like, that's my natural state. And so then anything above that is pretty solid. You know? yeah. 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 But you also like are pretty, I could be wrong, like a pretty driven and like goal oriented person or no? Yeah, I, I'm I'm like pretty com I have like really compulsive behavior basically. Like I, I just like do a lot of work mainly out of compulsion, you know. Like oh, I, okay. I, I like write a lot, but it's like you know, like I started doing sketch comedy and stuff when I was a teenager and so like during that whole time it's like every Saturday you gotta like bring in a bunch of sketches or whatever. So then it'd be mm -hmm. like then the entire week at school I'm like distracting myself in class by writing sketches and then it's like that kind of behavior is just carried over now into where I'm like I'm just kind of always writing stuff, which then like pays dividends. But it's also I'm like, I it's almost harder to not do it because, again, it's another like nice distraction. I love to just be like, now I'm writing a story and now I'm in that world and it's about this person. And that's what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. How has like um, I know you said like you have like pretty much just like low expectations for yeah. things and like that's how you sustain well, I, I, right after my dad died a friend of mine who had lost his dad like six or seven months earlier said this phrase that was actually extremely helpful to me and it, you hear so many trite phrases when someone dies but oh yeah this one was great which was um you what is it it doesn't get better but it does get easier and i basically feel that about most of my negative feelings is that it's like it doesn't get better but that it's like its effect on how i feel is less and right so, yeah well, how does that like mentality play into career stuff and like writing and acting and how's that? It's actually pretty motivating, I would say, like because it makes me I mean, like, you know, I saw this like Bob Odenkirk thing where he was talking about like not being bitter and jealous about other people in the industry and all that stuff. And that was very meaningful to me because I do feel this kind of like on top of the, you know, sort of overarching uh, like existential dread or depression or whatever. Then I go like, and then these other people who aren't funny or whatever the thing is are getting these jobs like as though they're funny and all that sort of stuff. Um, but ultimately, even though that's like a negative feeling to be having, I then do feel more motivated by it where I go like, I just have to make my own shit. And, you, you know, you can't like wait for a good thing to happen because also I feel pretty reasonably assured that no one out there is trying to make a good thing happen for me. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so I'm like, so I just have to do it because no, especially I am like, I, I'm like a bad drawing of Zach Woods. I'm like, I'm just like a white guy, you know? And so I go like, no one is going like, we got to get, we should get that white guy. It's like, everybody already has their white guy, you know? And so it's like, you got to kind of just make it for yourself, basically. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's like when I, 
do get hired to do things, a lot of the times I'm like, this sucks. Like the the like the <laughs> writing sucks, or like yeah, there's oh, yeah. something that I, I, is not in line with like what I want to do or how I would do it or like the message that I want. Which is, yeah. like, obviously wh- thinking way too much into, like, it's just a fucking job. Like, just do your yeah. job. But it's, like, if I want to make the things that I want to make, I have to just do it myself. Because no one's going to hire me to do the thing yeah. that I want to do. No, it's going to be, they're going to typecast me, and it's going to be something that I don't want to do, and I'm going to mm-hmm. do it anyway because it's going to yeah. pay me and, like, oh, yeah, exposure or whatever. Well. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, yeah. I don't want to fucking play that part, but I'm going to have to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So it is like then it's like on you to then make the things that show the side of yourself that is meaningful to you so that then you will get someday cast doing that. Like it, it's also so like all theoretical and it's like it's all at the whims of some imagined people out there allowing you to do the thing you want to do. Uh, but yeah, no, I have it like any job I work on. I I always like someone, especially friends who aren't in the industry. Well, the question that comes up often is. uh uh, is it going to be good about something I'm in? And I, I, I literally will. I am not allowed to ask myself that question at all. I'm just like, I go in, I just try to do a good job, and I just try to give like the person who hired me what they want. And even if they are like asking me if I think it's going to be good, I'm just like, I don't even entertain that question. I think yeah. it's just bad for me, basically, to even wonder. Well, yeah, because also like as an actor, you have not a lot of control over anything yeah yeah so exactly. it's just like i don't know it's not also like not in my hands like i have yes. no i can do it, it's i can so, do the best job and they're yes. not going to choose that take so it doesn't exactly. matter that's what i mean it's it's so not in your hands it's insane mm-hmm. it's like because it also it's just like a bad editor it's oh like, yeah it's done or a bad sound bad lighting it's like all the little things yep yeah, totally it's bad. it's bad totally um yeah. i did love your curb episode though it was oh great. yeah well, that's no, that like was kind like of like a the, dream the height job. of my life yeah 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 that was absolutely <laughs> no life. that was truly amazing every, every single thing about that experience was incredible like I, I i truly loved it like all around and I, I had been up for a different part in that season or i had auditioned for a different part and i was like very and i didn't get it and i was like devastated and i was like yeah. damn because truly being on curb has been my only career goal like i i it's truly like i've had no other goal and when that occurred, I, I, it was just totally surreal. And just like when Larry first walked up to me on the set, like when I first got there, it, it was like a singularly surreal moment for me. It was, it was truly just so insane. And also, I've said this before, but like you, you know, it, the, what, if you do improv for a long time or even sketch, like you will often have this thought of like, oh, no, wait, that's too curb. That's too curby. I shouldn't do that. Like, especially on stage, I'll feel it. And so like the, I, the feeling of being on curb where you're supposed to be Kirby. It's like all just so surreal. Like I really remember in the first take feeling like I was like, wow, I'm being so Kirby. And I was like, you're literally on curb. It's, it was so insane. I mean, it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. It was cool. So that that was, yeah. What was, what was that? I'm just curious. What was that experience like, like on set and like, it's honestly, it was just like amazing all around. Like they, they give you so little for the audition. Like it, it, it was literally a paragraph that says like, you're for my character. It's like you're a wedding videographer who tucks his sweater into his pants, and you get to a house early, and Larry's like grilling you. And then like the Marcus Ray, who was also on that season, uh, I had him do my audition with me, and it was just like you know. So then they were basically improvising as Larry, and then you just are doing you know whatever you're gonna try and do in it. Uh, and then when you get to set, my one of the things I found most hilarious is uh, a PA went up to me when I first got there. 
And she was like, did you get your sides? And so then I was like, oh, okay. So now there's going to be something scripted. And then I went into this little honey wagon and I get my sides. And it's actually just that paragraph, but on like the tiny piece of paper. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I did know this. Yeah, I, I didn't know we would call that sides. Um, and then, yeah, then I, I did two days on it. And it was like, what's amazing too, is like it, all the improv experience of your life, if you do improv for a super long time, like it all, it's like leading up to being put in a moment like this to do this, where it was like, I got put in my costume and then we're just driving to set and then I'm like on set and then the director, I had just worked with the director and some of the crew guys on a different show. And so like, I was kind of saying what's up to some of them. And then like two minutes later, the director's like, so then yeah, you're going to be over here. And then Larry walks in and then Larry's like, Hey, how's it going? We have like a little chat where I'm going like, well, I can't believe he's talking to me. This is insane. And then they're like getting the camera set up and then we like do the first take, like within like the first 20 minutes of being in the area, which was just all amazing. Um, and then, yeah, you just kind of go. And like the whole, I mean, the just whole experience is so wild. Like it, it is so improv. It's just, I don't know, it's so hard to explain. Like, you know, you just film it a bunch of times and do three cameras. So they're moving the whole time. And, and yeah, and also like Larry will just sort of like freely laugh and stuff which is just amazing and i actually i got to i got to witness like one of the best best things which was um so like in the episode he's like uh you know talking about how my sweater is tucked into my pants or whatever and i say something about like how it it like feels good and it looks clean <laughs> and then uh then i i leave and so i leave like in the you know in reality i walk out of where they're filming but they keep filming and then they have Larry, he's like walking around the space, kind of just like looking at things. And then, uh, you know, just kind of like intruding on the space that he's not supposed to be at. And then a PA comes over to me like really quietly and he goes like, go back in. You have to go back in. And I was like, you know, it's nothing was scripted for me to go back in or whatever. So I was like, OK, so I'm like, I just go back in, like, just kind of boldly, whatever. I'm just talking about, you know, oh, oh and one more thing, kind of, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And as I walk in, he has been he has tucked his sweater into his pants, you know. And so, like, now they're setting me up to catch him in this moment. But it was like the director had told the PA to tell me all basically to shock and surprise Larry. And so when I walk in, he was so surprised by this that he not only starts laughing extremely loudly, he literally falls down onto the ground and is rolling around <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, I was just told to go back in and it was just like a perfect thing where they're making him laugh. It, it was so amazing. And and to be like, I didn't even really do anything to make him laugh. It's like just that I was told to go back in. Yeah. It, it was like I was basically told to go in and witness him laughing. You know, it, it was truly just so amazing. It was like, it was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like... I feel like once you okay, so this was like your fucking dream yeah. kind of situation. Like, has it changed like your career goals at all or your creative goals at all? Knowing that like, oh, I did the thing and like, I absolutely love this as much as I thought I would. Like, what do you do with that information now? Uh, I wouldn't say it's really changed anything. Uh, because it's sort of it. W w one thing it did is it gave me this uh, different like sort of like dose of confidence where where I go like. I was on that show. I love that show. Funny people are on that show, you know? And so it's like, it's given me a, an internal sense of confidence but and, and validation, but it sort of has also just validated, like, that's already what I've always just want to do is like, I, I want to, 
anything I try to make myself, it's always like, and then we're improvising like with like a very loose framework or whatever. And so it's what I've already wanted to do. And then since doing that, I, I'm like friends with a, a camera operator on that. And then he has DP'd uh, just some stuff that I've made where we're all improvising in it. And so like, it is a little bit like that confirmed that I could have some level of confidence myself. And then I took some crew people and then we made our own thing, which then confirmed that we could do that. And, you know, so it didn't change anything, but it did validate uh, the want and, and has made me more driven. Yeah. Is that the um, in- the stuff that I've seen on Instagram? This oh, yes. Yeah. Misrepresented is called. Yeah. We're about to shoot another uh, bunch of that uh, in 10 days. OK, so wait, how did that come about? It came about after you shot Curb? Yes. So I met Marcus Ray on a Netflix show called Bruise Brothers, and we were both in the UCB comedy sort of community, uh, but we didn't know each other. And like I, I, I fell in love with him like on the day I met him. Like I just thought he was so hilarious the moment I met him. And so we just became like best friends very fast. And then like he lives in Bakersfield. So basically the whole time we're filming that he would just sleep at my house. And I, I basically offered to him uh, that to him like extremely early. And he just became my best friend. And then uh, then we were both on Curb. And we're like good buddies with one of the camera operators. His name's Parker Tolufson. We both really love him. And I was just sort of like, you know, there's this kind of like thing in the LA writing comedy, whatever experience that I really hate, which is pitching and like developing that it, it's like it's like the longest road to nowhere that you can take and you oh, can just yeah. be on it all the time mm-hmm. like for for years i've been in like development on random things and it's like and we're doing it and we're pitching and all this stuff and then it's like a year goes by and then it's dead and then you go like so it was all just like free work and we're like talking about an idea and then we like we write a script and then nothing comes from that and then it's just dead and it's an unbelievably frustrating experience and so marcus and i have this thing that we've been developing for a super long time and then he was like, we should just film something. And then it just kind of like got us into that. And then we were like both feeling this kind of confidence from the experience on Curb and just, you know, confidence in each other. And then, yeah, we just kind of like I I asked uh, the production company, uh, Abominable Productions, if I could use their office uh, building on like a Sunday when no one was there. And they were very cool. And, you know, for me, I'm like, if you can just get a free location, it's like oh, they, it yeah. just makes Wait, everything better. The office of Curb? No, of Abominable Productions. Basically. Oh, okay. They okay, produced okay. a show I was on, and then gotcha. I just became friends with them. And then okay. we literally walked through their office once, and I was like, "This would be very funny to film something here." Because also, it was like, it was like, you know, like a year into COVID, and right. so like everyone's working from home, so it's like a ghost town in there. And I was like, "This is like a set, basically, and no one is working here." Um, and then yeah, we just like on a Sunday, we just like filmed basically continuously for like twelve hours, and then we got that out of it, and then. I've kind of like finagled a similar situation for the next batch we're going to shoot. I got another like free spot that we're going to use and and we're going to just do more of that. But it is so like you- it you just like have to force it. It's it's like so crazy. Like I cuz some of the people uh, who worked on this are like, "Oh, now you should try and pitch that and then get paid to make more." I'm like, "I, I don't want to do that. I mm-hmm. I don't I cannot do that because it's like you have to like pitch and like stroke the ego of like a random executive or whatever it is. It's just like the entire experience is so annoying where I go like, I didn't, I didn't, I've never worked on pitching. I I like writing comedy and I like doing comedy. I don't want to pitch. I don't want to do any of that. I don't either. But it, but then I see people who do it, and then I'm like, yeah. God damn it! I wish yeah. I could do it, but I can't because I don't. Well, some I don't people like just it. are amazing at it. 
I have some friends where I'm like, you're just amazing at pitching. That must be incredible. I can't even imagine. Like when someone talks about selling something in the room, I'm like, how? How? No, I don't know. And also like some people don't even consider like in and I need to be such I need to be less of a fucking like like snob about it. But like I'm like, I can't schmooze or like suck up or like kiss people's and it's at the same time it's like these people can't be considering it that because they're doing or yeah i don't i feel like i sound like such an asshole when i'm like i can't i can't suck up to people like yeah. you can't no, or whatever the like, thing is it's like you're in a situation where it, it feels like extremely clear what they want you to say and so then it feels weird to say it yeah where you where you go like like they're going like so would you say that this is a workplace comedy and so you go like, so I guess I'm supposed to say yes, because I know that's what they want me to say. And so then like just that, like that feels like kissing ass mm-hmm. and stuff in this very weird way where you go like, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you just buy this, please? Please? You know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. And just the whole experience of like basically asking for permission from people. Like <laughs> I had pitched to someone once and Lauren had just said about it. She was like, yeah, you just had to pitch to someone you would not have let be on your sketch team. You know, and I go like, oh, that is what it is where I'm I'm like trying to encourage someone to think something is funny. And I'm like, but why do what do you know? Like what? Is, like, oh, yeah. You know, it's just insane. One thousand percent. It's like I feel like I'm perpetually like doing rewrites to things after getting notes from people who aren't writers. Oh, or like the, the second someone thinks they can give a note, then they think they should all day, all yeah. day. They'll and just it's do like, it nonstop. If some if it got bought or picked up or whatever, they would be like, I knew it was perfect the way it was. Like, oh, yeah. I knew you didn't need that note that I gave you. And it's like mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to like take any. Um, And this is like such a trait thing to say, but like. That Brene Brown thing that always, like, I'll always think about, which is, like, I don't, I don't remember what she said. Something about, like, mm-hmm. if you're not doing the same thing I'm doing, like, I don't really give a shit what you think about it. Like, if you're mm-hmm. not putting in whatever effort. And as, like, cliche as that is, and, like, I, I do think there's truth to it. And it's, oh, like, yeah. well, you're not writing. You're not, or even if it's, like, performing on stage and, like, you know, getting feedback. Or, maybe this is just me being, like, I am funny just because you didn't laugh doesn't mean it's not funny. But uh-huh. I'm, like, you don't know what it you don't know what it's like to do this thing or yeah. why would I be taking advice from you? But it's also obviously like a delicate balance because you also don't want to piss off people that could be your potential boss in the future. No, and you have to just be like, I'm so easy. I'll do your notes. Mm -hmm. I'll take all your notes. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. all really terrible. And that feels like kiss assing as well. Like, I, I did a pitch like a few days ago and they, you know, th- with everything they say, like, I just kept going like, I'm super collaborative. I'll, I'll do whatever. Yeah. It's fine. I'll do whatever. Um, and not to use chess as a metaphor, but like, you know, there's like a type of thing I get a lot in like chess stuff where like, you know, you, I love watching other people play. Like that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but something I notice when someone will watch my game or, or watch someone else's game is they'll say like, oh, you should have done this at some random point. And to me, I always go like, no, but then like, that's your idea of how to go forward in a certain direction toward a certain goal. So then I would have to know like what you would do for every single move after that, because that's not what I would do. So every move after that is what you would do. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that advice is not actually helpful in any way. You're going like, oh, you should do this one thing in a in a basic algorithm of 60 moves that you're going to make. It's like, well, that one move doesn't it's not helpful to me, basically, because that's not how I'm going to do the rest of it. either. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And I just feel like that's so many notes. Although good notes are amazing. When someone gives good notes, it's really the best thing ever. But I feel like who gives you the who do you feel like gives you the best notes? Um, typically like my like close 
comedy friends. I mean, I, I actually, I, I will like review and consider every note someone gives me, even if uh, initially I think it's bad. Like mm -hmm. I'll still, cause I think in a, in a certain way, I, I don't trust myself or my own taste. So like, I will, I'll, I'll go like, I'm probably, I always start from I'm probably wrong. And so then I go like, <laughs> so I'm probably wrong. So then let's think about what their thing is. Uh, and I think that's helpful, but you know, like people who really know me, I feel if they give me a note where they're just like confused about something, then I go like, then it's confusing, you mm -hmm. know? And so mm -hmm. I, I, you know, like my wife gives me great notes. Uh, Jeff Schaefer gives great notes. Marcus gives great notes. Um, but those are all like actors and writers and comedians. Yes, yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Versus yeah, yeah. like, like any industry. Oh, like, oh yeah. Oh no. Industry people. Oh, oh no, no, no. Uh, let me reiterate. Uh, industry. I've never gotten a good note from like a yeah, another person, like an executive exactly. or something. Yes, no, I've exactly. never had that. No, exactly. I can't even imagine that. No, yeah. and actually, I used to have this one manager who he would only give me notes over the phone, and I I would literally constantly email, go like, I need you to email it to me so that I can just refer back to it, so that I can implement the notes. And then I realized it was so there was no paper trail, so that when the note was implemented and it fucking sucked he could act like it was about that thing where I go and then deny that it was his note. And, you know, but I, I, cause I would write it down immediately and I started voice recording it to be like, no, I know that, you know, and then I would do exactly the thing he said. And then it would be a thing months later where he goes like, I still think you got to get rid of the uncle character or whatever. And I go like, you, <laughs> you told me to add that character. Like that, you are editing out your fucking pitch right now yep. and yeah. you won't give me a paper trail. And that's like it's like a version of gaslighting. It's like notes gaslighting. This that should be something that's in your series that you're shooting. Some oh, version yeah. of that. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's also yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't handle. No. It. I know. Um, I know. You could go on and on forever because it's also like it's weirdly the like black lifeblood of this industry is the hours spent doing pitches to no avail. Mm -hmm. And so like you can just tell, I'm like it's actually like the biggest part of what my life is in this industry is like sitting in zooms and doing pitches and stuff and it, it's like it's the most thankless and like silent part of my life it sucks ass I truly hate it it really is and they just I feel like in my experience which I don't have as nearly as much as you do but it's like they'll they'll be like oh you know what I think we need to hear more about like the husband character let's hear more about that and you do it and they're like you know what there's we're hearing too much about the husband character. like the next yep. meeting like we're having yep. too much about, and I'm like and I'm not going to be like, well, you told me to do that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that shit. I know. Well, and it's like, like it's just oh, all homework. Right? Everyone wants to assign homework all the time. Yeah. Where they're like, well, maybe if you rewrite this part. And then it's like, they act like it's your choice, but you're going like, oh, but if I don't, then it's dead. Right. Okay. So I have to do that note or it's dead. It's just so brutal. And then you do it and then it's still dead. And you go like, oh, yeah. okay, awesome. This is working really well. I feel like I'm probably doing the wrong thing by being like, I'm picking and choosing which notes I want to incorporate into things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that idea. And then other thing I'm like, I'm not going to do I'm not going to do it. And then they didn't write this down. So I'm going to see if they remembered that this was even an issue oh, yeah, last yeah. meeting. And they probably won't remember that they even yeah. talked about this. Well, there, there's like Mel Brooks has something where he goes like when a network executive gives you a note, you just go like, that is amazing. And then you just don't use it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So you just like give a big audible reaction to it. And then that's it. Yeah, yeah, which totally. I feels like I, I, I don't I wouldn't say I have the, the confidence to do that where it's like if you're actually getting stuff made, then I feel like then you can start to do that. I'm like, sure. it, it, it's all about how you first, at least for me, like how you first fucking get someone to pay you to make a thing. You oh, know? yeah. I yeah. just don't even know how do you breach that.
Yeah. So wait, your whole series was improvised. You had like a, a structure and then. Yeah, it, it would be like like it like just one sentence. It'd be like Marcus is talking to an a- his agent about how he doesn't want to do this accent anymore. And then the Got next it. one is like now he comes in, he's in a children's music class and he feels like he has like a bad uh, career. And you shot all of it in one day. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it was awesome. No. And it was like, I mean, it, none of it could be done without like the crew, uh, the like curb crew guys like the the speed the parker uh, the uh, my dp like he and co-director he's just like i mean it, it's the most essential piece I, I wouldn't be able to do anything at all like without without him yeah yeah okay well shifting gears yeah, yeah. a lot of it mm-hmm. uh your daughter and yeah. like i feel like that i know that that's a huge life t- life change and shift oh, yeah. and yes. completely um, changed my life yeah yeah, like what? How how has your life changed? Like obviously the like I don't have a lot. Of, I don't I don't have as much time and oh, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. But like what? In what other way can you like see yourself before and now and be like, oh, this is different. I, I it it's like it just kind of immediately makes you sort of like more grateful and like full of awe and wonder and stuff like all the all the trite stuff you've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, it you know. Every platitude, like, becomes really meaningful when it is most relevant. And, like, she just – every little thing she does is, like, the most – it just brings me so much joy. Like, like the craziest – like, she, like, really loves to take the caps on and off of things now. And it's just, like – I can literally just sit and watch her, like, take a cap off a kombucha bottle and, like, laugh. And I will, like, have, like, the best afternoon of my life. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of that sort of stuff. And then also going, like – like suddenly, you know, I've been sort of like a depressive, suicidal type of person for my entire life. So, you know, suddenly I'm going like, I can't die. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And just think about like the effect it would have on her and in all that sort of stuff. And so like it makes me more grateful for being alive and for like just the miracle of life and like all that sort of stuff while still being like an atheistic nihilist or whatever. I was going to say like, how has that like, did you say nihilist as well? Yeah, 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 but yeah. I mean, like, well, because to me, it, it, the thing that's craziest is I go like that. I mean, you know, it's every single person is so different, but you know that that is really like for someone to just like uh, describe the world in a logical way, which basically to me is like you know atheism, like scientific fluency, you know that sort of stuff. It, it it would have been so meaningful to me when I was a kid to hear that sort of stuff. Like, I, I just remember when I, like, first discovered Carl Sagan and Richard Feynman and those kind of people, where it was, like, just the way that they just put no bullshit on anything. I, it was something I really loved. And it's sort of, like, so with those same, like, you know, you have these huge feelings when you have a child. And then at the same time, I'm going, like, oh, so now I kind of understand this want to protect from, you know, these really harsh and cold realities of of life and stuff but then at the same time i go like but you know it's like when you wake up from the protection of those things that actually like is the most painful of the experiences i think like like you know you you believe in something you know i believe in heaven and i'm going to be there with my dog that just died and all this sort of stuff and then to discover that this is just like you know uh, just a, a belief to make you feel good is actually very painful obviously uh, and so to me, I go like, I, I would rather just have to a- acknowledge the truth of how those things are sad and painful and stuff. Uh, even though when I look at my daughter, I go like, I want to protect you from everything, including mm-hmm. every bad feeling that might ever cross into your mind. Yeah. But then at knowing like, yeah, but people tried to do that to me too. And that was not 
uh, great for me to, to be right. protected in that way. And, and a lot of the time I was like, as a kid, I was going like, I'm actually asking you to not do that, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a tricky thing. I, I can't even imagine, like, she doesn't even like, you know, it's not like we're conversing. So like, I, I just don't, I mean, you know, I can say it with confidence now because she can't really communicate like that. But, you know, I, I have no idea that that is something that I do think about, like, wow, that's going to be tricky. That's going to be a tricky thing to yeah to talk about. It's interesting when you were talking, I was like, oh, it seems like and I haven't really thought of it like exactly like this before. But it seems like for some people, religion is the distraction that like chess is for you. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, where it's yeah. like, <sighs> sure, yeah, maybe like, some it, people like believe. It's too much of that, like, the, the the problem with religion is that it's, like, so much of the belief systems are about, like, getting something in return. Sure, You know, yeah. where I'm, like, for me, chess is, like, it's, the beauty of it is it's singular thing, which is, like, it's just right here. I'm not getting anything back, you know? And it's right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's more of, like, the, like, zoom out thing of being, like, oh, it's, like, I don't want to say people don't, be- of course, people, like, believe in all the specifics and things like that, but it's yeah. almost, like, the idea of whatever an afterlife or these yeah. specific morals or values um is like a is just like a shield or like a safe space from yeah. the harshness of reality yeah. uh versus like oh like chess being like a distract moral yeah. of the story is i would like to find a distraction yeah yeah no that makes total <laughs> sense i mean but the fact that you know religion just persists throughout human history you know it's like the human brain it knows it wants that like seatbelt or whatever it is mm-hmm. and it like longs for it oh yeah and, and it's yeah it's like people aren't killing i mean that i know of killing people over like chess moves you know yeah. what i mean versus yeah. like i don't know any t- instance of that happening versus like how many uh uh deaths and wars and all of that shit comes yeah. from my religion is right and yeah. yours yeah. is wrong and, and, and mine is about an all-loving peaceful god so i must kill you exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly um <laughs> Uh, cool. As we wrap up, I just want to know, and this like is kind of a cliche question, but I like it. So I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, what are things that like you want to instill in your daughter, whether you started instilling them yet or have thought about in the future or just, um, whether you were taught them or not things that Uh you've like learned throughout your life that you're like, I would really like to impart this on her. Yeah, I you know, I think, yeah, I, I think everyone, especially in the, like the early days of being a parent, I think you definitely think about the things that were done to or put on you that you don't want to do. Like, I, I feel like I look more in like that, the negative space of it, where I go like, I, I'm not 100% on, you know, the values necessarily. I'm like, I, I'm mostly on, I, I don't want to hold her to my abstract expectations for who she's supposed to be, basically. Yeah. I, I feel like those are all really bad. Like, you know, and then that would go back to, like, my dad saying, like, can't you just be normal? Where I go, like, what am what is normal? How am I not normal? What is, you know, like, where I go, like, so that's him saying he wants me to be like him or like someone else or, you know, where I go, like, I, my whole goal is, like, you know, people always go, like, oh, when are you going to teach her chess? And I go, like, if she wants to, like, I, I, I always have chess boards at the house, obviously, but like, it's not, I don't want to force any of those things. You know, it just, I'm like, it just makes you hate it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not going to make you do comedy. I don't want to make her do anything. Um, Which yeah, is interesting I mean, because I feel like we see that so often, like in the real world, but also like in media, like the character of a father, like 
wanting the son to to follow in his footsteps or and it yeah, seems like yeah. a like a legacy thing too which is i know we talked a little bit about in the beginning of this like because yeah. it's like well why do you want them to be more yeah. like you well like, that's also like, like this truly thing, like, why i know people who were raised religious and then like i had turned away from religion and think it's bad but then want to send their kids to like the same kind of religious school they went to and then they go like, well, yeah, because like I had that, and it's like good because like teaches you how to do this and this. But it's it for me. I go like, no, that's like you kind of like honoring your your pain from before, like that you went there and you go like, and that made me stronger. It's like, well, maybe something else will make them stronger. It's like sure. it, your life is just going to unfold. The things are going to occur. Like they don't need to go to your same bad Catholic middle school in order to become a good person because they then rebel against. It. It's like. That's still going like, and because that's how I did it. It's like, then who cares? That, Which feels then, like a validation thing too. Yes. It's kind of, you know, it's like, um, if they're not like me, then I must have not done the right thing or been good or, you know, whatever you want to say it or like for maybe with like, if why can't you be normal? It's like, well, what are you afraid of Yeah, that happened to you? Because you're, you are normal. You know what I mean? Like there's, yes. I feel like a lot of stuff in life is like based around like fear. Oh yeah, you know. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Even and like, like um, no, no you're good. Okay, no, well, you. basically, like you know, the thing too, like with my daughters, I'm, I'm also like, I don't care about like the she's got to go to a great school and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, just I, I care about her enjoying herself. That I feel like that's like all you can do, and if you can just provide that, like my best childhood memories are like. My mom would let me skip school like so much, which I really valued, you know, more time alone, obviously. But uh, I just loved it. I would skip school so much growing up. Uh, basically, from grade school through high school, I would just miss insane amounts of school every year. It was awesome. Um, but like to me, I go like some of my best memories are like my mom let me skip school like on my birthday. And then we went to go see like Harriet the Spy. And I was like, that's like the best oh, fucking day ever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's just to me, I'm like. When I look forward and think about, like, the things I can do for my daughter, I go, like, oh, I just want to do those things where it's, like, you know, you give them fun and joy and these, like, moments, uh, you know, where they don't have to go to school where uh, the kids are mean or whatever, you know. It's, like, yeah. just do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I feel like that's a good place to end wrap up on. Just, yeah. do, whatever, just do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And saying it really casually. Just do whatever you want. Yeah, just do whatever. It's fine. It's yeah. easy. Uh, cool. Thank you for cool. giving me an hour of your time. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you okay. for letting me talk so much. I feel like <laughs> I'm sweating from talking. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest actor, comedian, writer, director, Mike Castle. You can find him on Instagram. His handle is at Bike Tassel, which is so fucking good. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>